up guys david here and welcome to the fit pro daily this week is all about copywriting and we're starting the week off with catherine coming on as this week's guest speaker now catherine has transitioned from a pt to a full-time copywriter and what she's been able to do is use her experiences in becoming the pt and running her fitness business and her own life experiences to become this almost world-renowned copywriter who we're going to speak with today but before we do dive into Catherine's guest interview if you haven't already subscribed to the channel then we would love you to subscribe simply click the link below press subscribe and then let's dive into this week's guest interview Cool. Okay, welcome to today's special guest episode. Today we have Catherine all the way from sunny South Wales. Is that where you are? Yes, I am, South Wales. <laughs> Different place. I decided to move up to North Wales yesterday for a couple of days. So we were close and now we're like miles apart again. But <laughs> thank you for coming on. When I post out there to see who was about and who fancied coming on to chat and share the knowledge, I know a couple of people tagged you in the posts. So I'm guessing you must be doing something good if people are saying you need to speak to this lady, you need to speak to this lady. But today what we're going to talk about is kind of like organic content, how to write it, how to write it in a way that it, it brings leads in, but it also doesn't crush anybody. You're not making anybody feel terrible about themselves. Is that right? Yeah, is that what we're going to focus on today? Yes, absolutely. So my big thing is being ethical and being kind in your marketing that this is about making connections with people and building relationships. And it's not about disempowering anyone or making them feel like they've done something terribly wrong if they need the help of a coach. Cool. Okay. So let's dive into the first question, which I ask everybody that joins is how did you get started in the fitness industry? So I actually have a really unlikely connection with the fitness industry. When I was in school, I was always the person that was bunking off PE. I would not only bunk off, I'd bunk off to actively go and smoke. So I was, uh, I'm not, I am with a sort of normal background that most coaches have. Um, but I got married when I turned 30 and absolutely hated my wedding photos. I mean, the photos themselves were good photos. I just hate how I looked in the photos um, and decided that I wanted to start making a change. So I never really got into fitness until I was you know 30 or so so I my, my I came into it kind of late I came into it initially for myself to lose a little bit of weight actually quite a lot of weight um and ended up realizing that I could help people and that there was a lot of misdirection in the industry and people were feeling actually quite marginalized and sidelined in fact people who I was helping really felt pretty unseen in the in the gym completely so I came into it that way and that, that's sort of accidentally how I got into face-to-face -face personal training to begin with and then online personal training to to follow up. Cool. So what was it then that kind of made you really enjoy the writing side of it and now move more into the writing for the fitness industry? Well that was kind of a funny thing actually it was never my intention to ever write for anybody else I got into it um, to, to learn the skill for my own business. It was entirely selfish to begin with. And then as I as time went on, um, I realized that this was something that I found quite easy, that other people found it really difficult and people would ask me for help. So it, I think this is how a lot of PTs get involved with, with fitness, right? They just they do it for themselves to begin with, find that they love it. And then naturally you just want to teach others. So I came into it that way, uh, learned sort of, for myself and then started to help other people with their stuff. 
Nice. Okay. Okay. So let's let's kind of get started with it then. So what is the word organic social media posting for anybody brand new and they don't really know what these technical terms kind of mean? So basically organic just means anything that you don't pay for. So not ads, nothing that you boost. It's just the stuff that you would post on your Instagram or your Facebook page yourself as yourself um, in the hopes that you can build a connection with somebody and eventually to maybe bring them into your business if they're a good fit. So organic just means stuff that you haven't paid for. Yeah. And, that, and you just said something important there, something that builds the trust. Yeah. We don't want to be posting just random stuff on Facebook that are maybe going to turn people away or confuse people or do loads of stuff. So I'm guessing when you come to writing these posts, whether it be on your Facebook page, on your Facebook profile, your LinkedIn or Instagram, there's a certain style to write to kind of get people interested or to share what you know. Yeah, there are. And there's loads of different schools of thought on this about what's the right structure, if there's, a, if there's an optimal way of constructing the post. And there's a bunch of different things that you could look into. So if, if that's something that you struggle with, you could look into something called AIDA, which is A-I-D-A, interest, uh, attention, interest, desire and action. Mm-hmm. But there's honestly, there's about half a dozen that I know of. And personally, I don't really follow a structure anymore. I just try to draw people in, tell a story build a connection that way. But if you are the type of person that likes to work to a structure, that can be a great place to start. Okay. So I I jump online and I find some of these structures. Is it best I stick with one or can I be using different types of structures on how to write these posts? With anything in copy, I would say the answer is always test and see what works best for you. Mm. So if you're pretty new into writing your own content and you want to maybe follow a few different structures, Try out a bunch of them to begin with and see what feels right for you. As you're working on developing your own voice, you'll probably break away from needing to deliberately use a structure anyway, but try a bunch of them and see what works best for you. And if there's something that you really like to use, that will feel really natural and obvious to you. So you won't have to do very much work to to make yourself fit into that way of writing. Cool. So let's say we've chosen to go with the Ada formula. Do we have to write massive 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 long posts that take maybe half an hour to an hour to really write and go through everything or can it literally just be a couple of sentences yeah and at the moment in particular um, i'm finding shorter posts are working better than longer posts the longer your post the more opportunity you've got to go off track become boring or lose your audience's interest Mm -hmm. so a shorter post can actually be a really effective way to keep people engaged and make sure they read all the way down to the end one of the things i tried recently in my coaching group is to limit people to 100 words which forces them to really get to the point quickly cool okay and then you mentioned now you don't use any sort of formula but if we had to put a name to it the catherine formula what 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 would it was it kind of look like so people kind of have an idea of what what kind of stuff you write about then that's a lovely question and I feel like I couldn't have answered that probably six months ago I hadn't had quite such a clear idea of it up until that point but my formula now has become when you when you open your post and you start telling your story you do it in a way which is that puts like often with fitness copywriting you're taught to lead with pain to put the reader in a position of feeling desperate, uncomfortable, and almost twist the knife on them. If you're going to use that structure, I would suggest that you put yourself in the pain. So 
either yourself or a hero client that's overcome the problem. So let's say I was talking about a problem like trying to lose weight, right? I would talk about that from the perspective of my experience. So I was overweight. I felt this. I felt that. So I'm not projecting any pain or assuming any pain onto the client uh, or the reader, rather. And by the time I get to the end of the post, I like to switch so that I'm talking about them being overcoming a problem or um putting them in the hero position of the story so i transition from sort of relating an experience that i've had that's maybe been painful or um, challenging into something that they can actually take away and try themselves between the, the start and end of the post okay so let me throw a little dagger in the works in now both of us have the perfect bodies. We've never, ever had to go on some sort of weight loss journey. We're just like the peak of our physique and all this. How could you write about those situations, even though you haven't been in them? That's a fantastic question. And ultimately, even if you haven't struggled with your physique, you will have struggled with something in your life. So you'll be able to make a comparison and actually when you get into this and you start really realizing what the human connection is with the struggle and why people get a coach in the first place you'll realize that all pain is the same pain all problems are ultimately the same problem the weight you've got to lose isn't really the issue the coach you want to employ to help you with your business isn't really the problem right so you can draw a parallel between experiences that you have had and what your clients might be experiencing. That's the first thing. The second thing you can do is to have conversations with your clients, really honest, open conversations with your clients all of the time and really listen to what they've got to teach you. That'll happen in the DMs before you get them on a sales call. It'll happen on the sales call as you're exploring their problem. It'll happen in your regular weekly check-ins. It'll happen at every touch point. And the language that they use when they talk about their problem is exactly what you need to be talking about in your social media so that you're mirroring their language back to them. So first of all, you've got your own problems. Secondly, you've got your actual clients' problems. And thirdly, you can research it if you haven't actually got any clients yet and you're super new into the industry and you don't yet know what they're struggling with. You can pay attention to things like forums or Facebook groups where your type of ideal client hangs out. And you can pay attention to the way they talk about their problems in those groups. Yeah, and that point is like so key for anybody that's really struggling that haven't been to that situation a client's been in. You need to see what's going on like around you now because it can relate back to that situation, whether it's I'm a celebrity is on TV and you can write about that and relate it back to your clients. So if like for me, if anybody doesn't know my story, we work with over 30s ladies so I based everything I did on my mum. So then I had uh, like a, a focal point to talk about. So it can relate to those clients. Okay, so we've, we're kind of, we're talking about our problem and then we're referring it to them. But you, you mentioned we're not going to start crushing people too much. How far can you go, do you think, before it, it goes you are starting to really crush them to get them to know what's going on. One of the tricks I use with this is to read the post out loud. And if you feel as though you are wincing a little bit reading it, if you're questioning like, oh, have I gone a bit close to the bone with that one? Lay it out for a trusted friend. So read the post out loud and think, would I say this to someone's face? How would I react if somebody said this to my face? And this is a good rule of thumb for your audience in particular. 
how would I feel if somebody spoke to my mother like this in public? Mm. And I think that skirts a line between respectful and honest. And I try to I try to strike that balance in my copy where you don't want to shy away from hard and emotional conversations, but you also don't want to leave people so disempowered and crippled by their own pain that they can't take any action. First of all, it's unethical. And secondly, it's not good for business. If every time somebody reads your stuff, you leave them feeling, oh, Christ, I'm in, I'm in the pits. Like, nobody wants to read that. Nobody wants to have that coach in their corner because you always make them feel bad. So remember that your job is to sell two things. We sell hope that the future can be different, and we sell the idea that we have the power to make it so. So you've got to gas your prospects up and let them feel like they're powerful enough to make a change because people who are confused and frustrated and disempowered don't do anything. They don't take any action. They're not going to click your call to action because they are too busy feeling their own pain, right? Well, okay. So let's kind of, again, just me just being a pain and just for inspanning the works. Uh, we know certain fit pros who love to swear and they love to like proper go in hard on their clients or prospects and they're actually doing really well. What, what, why, why would you think that's working for them, do you reckon? I think swearing, first of all, personally, I swear loads all of the time. I love it. Um, And I make no apologies for it. I'll try not to swear on this podcast, but I think it depends on who you're trying to attract. So if I was trying to attract people like my mother into my business, I would probably dial back on swearing because I know that that wouldn't wouldn't, um, be something that she was comfortable with. If you're having a conversation with your clients in person and you would swear with them, then you should swear in in your content. I remember when I first started posting my stuff on social media, my mother was like, you're swearing a lot. You should probably dial back on that. It doesn't seem very professional. But don't forget the, the purpose of your content is not just to attract the right people into your business. It's also to repel the wrong people. If you're going to have somebody who bristles every time you, you swear and you swear a lot, they're probably not going to be a good fit for you. You're probably going to be too direct for them. You're probably going to be too um, potentially aggressive in your style for them. But that's fine because you haven't, you're not trying to attract everybody into your business. You're just trying to attract the right people. And one of the things that I see with language, and this isn't necessarily about swearing, but it's more about talking like a robot. Like you, you read a social media post and it starts getting highly technical language and the sentences are like, it's like you've taken them out of a textbook, right? Like you talk and then you, and then you can be yourself and you can relax about it. You're not trying to um, deliver a TED talk on stage you're just trying to have a normal conversation with somebody there's like two massive takeaways from there for anybody listening to this I know this is more about organic side of things but especially for Facebook ads when you're writing your ad copy you have to attract the people that you want in they're seeing this ad copy or they might even just be reading your social media posts it has to be able to bring them in and like Catherine said repel the people you don't want in in your program because if you if you are the person that swears a lot and your social media posts don't have it your email follow-ups don't have it your landing pages don't have it and they're like oh this looks like a really nice sweet guy let's go and train with him and the first session they come into all the hairs you just swearing non-stop there's a big difference between who this person is they've been following and reading about and talking to and listening to and this other person that's when you meet them face to face it's like wow this is a completely different person yeah 
Absolutely. And I think that that it's just as important to attract the right people in as well. So if you like, for example, when I was when I was still taking on clients, the type of people I would work with would were massive nerds over 30 that were emotionally intelligent, that were largely introverted, that had maybe sedentary jobs and would for fun spend their time watching, you know, Lord of the Rings movies and playing D&D. That, they were my people. So if I then um, in my copy, I would always make sure I've got some nerdy reference. I'm talking about hobbits. I'm talking about, you know, choose your own adventure was always my call to action. You could have like, if I'm making 90s action movie references and you and they're not landing for you, you're going to know that there's going to be a disconnect between the way that I like to talk and the type of person I am and the way that you bring and the way that you approach me. Similarly, and maybe more importantly, the more the more specific you can be about who you want to talk to, the more I'm making 80s action movie references and the more I'm talking about, you know, Lord of the Rings memes you're going to really connect with me if you're that person as well. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, she sounds like my cup of tea, now most people listening to this are going to think, oh, hell no, I'm not a nerd. But if you're thinking that sounds awesome, it's going to have a much more pronounced effect. So the more you can lean into your own weirdness unapologetically and be as weird as, as, as you really are, that's, that's how you attract the right people. And this, what you just said, then follows on something that you mentioned earlier about the languages that you use. I'm not talking about swear languages, but you need to understand what your target market, what the languages they use. So don't be saying things like, oh, yeah, during the hyper hypertrophy phase of our periodization program, because if your target audience never been to the gym before, has never exercised, doesn't even know what those words mean, and you've lost them, use words that they're used to. And they're, they're more likely to know, oh, I, I understand what this person is going on about now. So you've got your style, you know kind of how you want to lay out your posts or anything. And then your headline reads 30 or five ways to lose fat in just 10 days. Should we be using massive clickbait headlines? Read this post and it will change your life forever. Or... A clickbait headlines just something to be used every now and again, or should we be using them all the time? I would say use them sparingly. Um, rather than a clickbait headline, uh, as in this is going to be the most important thing you read today, I quite like a curiosity-driven headline. So one of the posts I was editing recently was about the effect of um, how physical exercise can reduce the effect of stress hormones, right? So first of all, that's boring. Nobody wants to read about that on the internet. That shit is boring. Secondly, don't be boring on the internet. And if you have to talk about that type of thing, instead, write about it from an entertaining perspective. So I rewrote that headline as, read this before you stab your husband. So it's so it's not really clickbait because I'm not making any promises, but it's a little bit sexy and it's a little bit interesting and it's interesting enough to click the read more button on Instagram. So that's, that's what I would say with regards to headlines. Um, and in terms of ad copy, be really, really aware of it. Please stay away from that type of thing. In fact, if you are running ads, just get somebody else to write them for you and almost certainly don't write them yourself because compliance is a minefield. Yeah. If you're going to run ads, just be super cautious. If you get an ad rejected once for ad copy, go squeaky clean for at least a couple of weeks. So you're not having like the star next to your name saying, watch out for this person. He's he's a he's a naughty person. So we've got the headline. We kind of know the copy length. 
but how how do you end these posts? How do you like inspire someone to to message you or to click the link or to share or to to do something? Is there a call to action we need to put in there? Yeah, so I think people make this mistake with calls to action and they think that it always has to be a really salesy calls to action. So it has to be like DM me for information or um, click the link in my bio if you want to book a call. And it's all quite intense and it's all sort of quite salesy. Don't forget that the purpose of the social media post is just to invite the conversation. Not every call to action needs to be take action now and come into my program it's perfectly acceptable just to ask a question open-ended question invite the conversation in the com in the comments or in the dms that isn't necessarily about fitness and this is something i see all the time fitness pros doing they get their blinkers on and they think i'm using this to to lead gen now so i'm only going to talk about business and you just become boring one-dimensional and then you realize that nobody's engaging with any of your content because they don't know who you are so I tell you one of the things that gets the absolute most engagement every, and I seem to post on this every time I see it, um, best biscuit, uh, what was the first album you bought? What was the first film you saw in the cinema? Like people love to talk about that stuff. That's the real reason why people are on social media. They're not there to learn about fiber and protein. Although we're using it as a lead gen tool, everybody in our audience is just literally scrolling on their phone. You're probably sandwiched between a meme of a cat and a photo of a handbag. You need to be fun. People are there for fun distractions. They're not there for heavy, serious stuff. So you can get into your own head with this when it's your only source of lead gen. And if it stopped feeling fun for you to write the stuff, it's going to not be fun to read the stuff. So remember that people are there for distraction. Have a bit of a laugh with it. Chill out. Don't take it so seriously. And not every call to action has to be a big, heavy sale. Yeah, and that point there is key. The first one that came to my head then is what type of banana do you like the most? And just all those banana types from green to black, and then you have <laughs> one in between. I was like, how and, many types of banana are there? I know yeah. you're in North Wales, David, but what the heck? <laughs> and the reason these posts work so well is for two key reasons. One, it massively boosts your algorithm with that person that's reading it, because once they comment or like or something on your post, they're going to be more likely to see your stuff moving forwards. So like you, like Catherine was saying, if you have these type of posts every now and again, they'll comment and then they'll start seeing more of your posts a little bit more regularly. Um, and then the other one is they get to know a different side of you. You're not just this super clever PT who just loves beasting people and takes loads of protein and does all this crazy stuff. They're like, oh, you know what? Dave or Catherine has a, has a, has a, I can see a different side to them and that builds trust a lot quicker and they'll, before you know it they'll finally reach out and want to get to work with you so um, yeah I think that point there is key for those type of engagement posts so let's move away from the copy at the minute and let's move into what you post alongside the copy with the images or videos is it just a simpler picture of of me should I add, add some text so it kind of accompanies what's happening with the, the copy? Or do you, is there any special strategies that you'd recommend? With um, The first thing I would say is dogs and babies always perform well. Um, I would say have a mix of professional images and sort of more casual selfie style um, photos, stuff, the kind of thing that you would take yourself on your phone. Um, 
and having some form of headline some of the time works well i mean like like all things with copy test and see what's going to work for one person's audience isn't going to work for another i very rarely um posted with a a, cap, a headline on my image when i was posting for my own business i do it all the time for copy now um but it was they're different businesses so test and see what works best for your audience if you're giving a lot of information in the caption of the image make sure that the the headline you put on the photograph makes it clear what it is that you're going to be talking about so people can decide if they want to stop and read it or not and the image that you choose should be congruent with the stuff that you've written about so if you're writing a big um, super aggressive get in the gym and motivational talk and you're going to get a beast in style post don't have an image of you chilling out on the couch cuddling your baby right so it's got to be sort of it's got to be in line with the vibe of what you're writing about. But that's probably where my expertise with images ends. <laughs> no, but like you say, relate, relate the image to the glass screen one. They see this image and they think, oh, wow, this is going to be a really good post. And then you start reading the post and it's just like, oh, where, where what that picture doesn't go with that. What? I'm confused. What's going on here? <laughs> it's got, they can move on to something else. So let's talk about emojis then. Should we use them? Should we? I really like an emoji, to be honest. Like I write for a few um, other fitness clients and they, some of them will have emojis in every line. And what I like about it is that it creates color. You can use it as a, almost like a bullet point. You can create sort of an impact with that type of thing. And if there is a particular sentence that you want someone to really draw attention to, you can use an emoji to, um, to draw their eye to that. So that if they only read that, that's, that's the takeaway. Equally, I know people who never use emojis and will choose instead to do the, you know, the bold text or the, the funny font thing. Mm. I prefer an emoji to that personally, um, but it's personal preference. And I, I think you'll probably have, have an idea of what's going to work best for your brand. So if you're like, um, if you're a family sent to gym and you're working with women over 30 and you've, you've got a very friendly and approachable style, that's going to dictate which one you choose and the type of language you choose loads of peaches and stuff like that just <laughs> female audience yeah <laughs> okay so before we move on to the final thing i've got here i've got sub headline down as well so you've got the please read this before you stab your husband <laughs> as the headline how does a sub headline work for general social media posts i know for big long landing pages it kind of goes even further than the headline does but should is this the case for social media or do you just go headline and straight into the post honestly i don't bother i don't really think about social media structure as formally as that personally um what i like to do is make sure that whatever headline you choose is short enough to be read in its entirety without having to click more and i like that it's sexy and engaging enough that you want that it pulls you in in terms of subheads for social media posts, I tend just to get straight into it. I like to start telling a story. I like to talk like a normal person. I like it to feel like a conversation um, as opposed to a more formally structured sales page or something that's long form or even an email. Even emails are more structured than that. But for social media, um, I think the less formal structure you can put in place in terms of headline, subheadline, all that type of stuff, I actually see that they perform better if they're a little bit more loose if that makes sense well something i've just thought about then and something that i've always done since i finished university and college is my sentences for anybody that reads my post i might be like five letters long 
and that's it. They don't, they're not like three or four lines long. They're literally just five letters long. Is that a good way of doing it? Is that a bad way of doing it? Or is, is, uh, is there a way you should, we should write them when it comes to sentences? Readability is everything on social media. Just because we're writing the content on our computers, it's probably being read on a mobile phone. So the shorter the sentence, a short sentence on your computer may not be a short sentence on someone's phone because the screen is smaller. Am I explaining that properly? Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So like keep the sentences really short, um, but vary the sentence length. So let's say, for example, you've got one sentence which is eight words long. The next one shouldn't, you can you could do eight words, eight words, eight words, eight words, but that's going to feel quite robotic and it's not going to have any... Um, What's the word I mean? It's not going to have any sort of poetry. It's not going to have any rhythm in it when you read it back. So varying the sentence length, eight words, then four words, then eight words, then maybe one word on its own. That can have much bigger impact in as far as the, the eye has to actually move across the page. Yeah. And, and that's like you say, key on mobile phones. It's massive. If someone's seen your post and your first sentence is about eight lines long, they're going to just see this massive block of text and think, can't oh. be asked. Yeah. <laughs> next post, what's what's next? Okay, so you've mentioned you do social media posts for clients and stuff, but before we dive into what it is you do, do you recommend having some sort of social media schedule or do you just post as and when? Um. When I was coaching, I would try to post every single day. And I think I did that for about two years. And I, mm. that was that was a consistency. What I would suggest you do rather than a schedule is, is find something that works for you, even if that's just once a week, and make sure that you can stick to it consistently. This social media stuff is a little bit like dieting and going to the gym. It's no good going balls out for the first month and hitting it really hard if you're not going to be able to keep up that scheduling time. So... If you're erratic at the moment and that's your biggest problem, and if you're questioning if it is, it will be if you're not posting consistently, that's the first thing to sort out. Even if that's, I only post on Mondays, but I post every single Monday, that's cool. Introduce a second day when that feels easy until you can find a rhythm that works well for you. And then that stuff is more important than like volume of posting or how frequently you post. Just making sure that you're showing up every day um, is the is the first thing to sort out. Yeah, I'd, I'd like super agree with that. I've, I don't know how many times I've written some sort of social media scheduling plan to the way I'm going to write stuff. I'm like do a video here and a picture there and a quote here and a funny story here and everything. And like nowadays, I just post one big long post at 8 p.m. every day. And that means I've got all day to be writing and tweaking it and doing whatever I need to do. Because then, you know, you do it every day. It's yeah, and I think for most people who are in this position, right, like the, most of the people we're speaking to right now, they're finding social media is a hassle, right? It's, it's stressing them out, it's a ball ache. So if that's where you're at right now, adding in layers of complexity, mm -hmm. I'm going to do, do this type of post on a Monday, and on a Wednesday I'm going to do this type of video, don't make it harder than it needs to be. Just show up and get something done until you can get, until, you've, until you're in a groove, groove with it. Don't worry too much about what's getting posted when. That's like adding in supplements before you've sorted out the diet. Cool. No, that's cool. To finish it off then, any other final tips on organic social media posting and not crushing people who are reading your posts? Yeah, I would say uh, read your posts back after you've drafted it. 
and ask yourself, am I leaving this person better than I found them? Particularly if you've been talking about quite heavy emotional stuff in that post, towards the end, check that you have made them feel like a bit of a superstar, made them feel like they're powerful, that they've got the option to change whenever they're ready, that you're there to provide them with some support, but ultimately they are infinitely powerful. I think that is the, the, the way I would go about most social media posts rather than twist a knife and make people feel like they're in pain and that they're helpless and they can't escape. I like to let them think, think of all of the things you've overcome already and look at the lessons you've learned from those struggles. That's how I would do it. So everyone, that tip Catherine give there, you've got to put that into every single post. <laughs> and that's why you reach out to people like Catherine who knows how to do this in one post and you're like losing, like, how do you put all of that into just one post? So tell, how can people learn a little bit more about what it is you actually do or kind of reach out and have a chat? Absolutely. You can follow me on Facebook. My name is Catherine Rehorn. Or you can follow me on Instagram at where I am kind copy UK. I'm in the process of sorting out a website, but I am uh, <laughs> I'm going to delegate that because I'm slow. Uh, I can write the copy, but putting the stuff together, I'm rubbish at. Um, but I'd love to have a chat and I'd love to know if you if you got something out of this, if you're going to practice what you've learned from this. I would love to see those posts. Catherine, I appreciate your time today. I'm guessing people that are watching or listening whenever they are, they'll obviously be reaching out and asking how they do all this and get success from it. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. So that was Catherine there on writing ethical copywriting or just writing ethically to really get your users to enjoy what you're writing and not feel the pressure or guilt of having to read what you feel and just have a negative effect to what they're reading from you. And it was really interesting everything she was saying. So if I was you, I'd go back to the start, take some notes, go through it all over again and really start to implement some of the stuff that Catherine was talking about. We've got loads more stuff coming for you this week, but if you haven't already subscribed, press subscribe and I'll speak to you all tomorrow. Cheers.